and welcome in again to the Worship Life Podcast with Mike Harland. I am your co-host, Brian Brown. The calendar has turned to 2020. 2020 is here. Vente, vente, as we would say in Espanol. As we would say. Uh, well, oh, you know, I'm right. learning. I'm trying to that's learn. That's right. Yes, Brian is studying yes. Spanish. You so grew up in El West Paso, Texas. El Paso, Texas. So you probably heard some Spanish growing up. No doubt. Moved there in the second grade and yeah. uh, moved into it from, from Michigan. So yeah. <laughs> in the 1970s, yeah. Michigan, uh, it's more bilingual now than it was in 1974 when I moved to El Paso. So everybody in El Paso was already bilingual except for me and never really learned the language. Took six years of Spanish growing up, but uh, just learned enough to get a grade. And so at, in if my I 50s, told you, I said, I'm going to learn. Have I ever told you my Spanish academic story? No, but I know you spent time in Texas, I, too. But no, I didn't. I, I, had to ta- I had to have a language because I had a Bachelor of Arts oh, okay. in music, and they required, it was a foreign language study, and I picked Spanish. So I was playing baseball uh, in college, as you know, at Delta State, right. and I'm taking Spanish. And I am tanking. I mean, I am I am not doing well. I should be doing a lot better. But I'm traveling with a baseball team. I'm a music major. I, I, I just was not doing well in Spanish. It wasn't that the subject was so hard. It's just that I wasn't putting the time in. So one day, and I knew I was I was right on the teetering of will I pass, will I not pass in right. Spanish. And, uh, and one day the P- Spanish professor said, hey, can you stay after class? I need to talk with you. And I thought, here we go. It's, it's, yeah. He's going to tell me I'm not going to make it. And so I'm sitting in his office. I'm nervous. I'm scared. And Dr. Quinn was his name. Dr. Quinn said, um, Mike, uh, I've got a huge favor to ask you. And I said, okay, what? And he said, I have just volunteered to coach my son's Little League baseball team. And he said, I don't know anything about baseball. I don't know the rules. I don't know how to coach this team. They didn't have a coach. I volunteered to coach. And he said, would you tutor me in how to coach baseball to little leaguers? And, uh, and could you come by once a week and do that? And so I went, absolutely. So I would go by his office once a week and give him the basics of baseball coaching, little league. And, and uh, when the grades came out that year, I – I had a you great day. Well. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so he gave me a little baseball project in my Spanish class, like and, and baseball saved the day again. For well, me, so. any way to keep your head above si. water. College is difficult. Si. Yes, yes, yes. Muy difícil. Yes. So, how, uh, Mike, we haven't been behind you know these what? microphones in a long time. It's been a while. We, uh, Our people probably know. We, we record several in a row usually. We have guests in and all that. And uh, with Christmas and all of that that happened. But really, we were supposed to record twice before today. Right. But I was sick. Um, as a matter of fact, Lots of illness on I don't team. know. If, I don't know if this is typical of everybody's team right now. But our, it's been unbelievable. It How many been. of our people? Craig Adams, our creative guy, has been sick, and mm-hmm. Renee Hardwick, our events leader, has been ill. And I've heard about somebody that's ill today. And I had the flu last week. So Brian, I had the flu last week. I want to yes. ask you. What do you think the number one question I've gotten since getting the flu? What what's everybody asking me? Did you get a flu shot? That's exactly That's, the question. There I've you been go. asked that fifty times. And and I want to just ask you yes. what difference does it make? I had the, the flu. For the well, uh, people would, would would then I think they're seeking to blame you for having the flu, Mike. I know. That's <laughs> that's the way it comes across. It's like it's oh, your so it's fault like, if you didn't oh, get the shot. You missed last week. Yeah, yeah, I had the flu. Oh, did you get the shot? Which is colloquial for saying Yeah. 
Were you, you stupid you dummy. idiot? Yeah you, yeah. you brought this on yourself? Well, the beauty is for the first time in my life, I'm 52 years old, I, this is the first year ever that I've got a flu shot. So I got the flu shot this year, so now I can be high and mighty, and You're I can high look down mighty. on other yeah. people All right, so and I've, be condescending. I have it's never great. taken the flu shot until uh, since I was a seminary student. New Orleans Seminary required us to have flu shots every term, okay. and I had a violent reaction, a flu reaction to the last time I took a flu shot, and I thought, well, I'll just never take one, and I've never had it until last until week. Until last week. And I had the flu shot. So, yes. uh, so it delayed our recording. So here we are, kind of catching up. It's it's we're way over into January already, but we are. Um, it's our first time to sit down and record. So. We've uh, I know you've been traveling a lot, a lot of great events. Um, our listeners may oh, or yeah. may not know about the Kimkey events that we, yeah. we we stepped in and, and and helped with this year. Have and we talked about Kimkey? I don't on know our that podcast? we. I, I don't think we've addressed it in a single. So Kimkey Music Service, forty five years, yes. a trade music dealer down in Florida. Shirley Kimke, the uh, I heard this story several times over the last few weeks, but she was the accompanist of her church. She was the piano player wow. of her church, and she was bemoaning the fact one day with her minister of music that uh, we want to buy all these songs, but we've got to call these different publishers to get these five or six or ten songs, however many it was. And Shirley says, well, I'll do something about that. And so she began to build this service where churches could call her and she would get in touch with all the publishers herself right. and the church made one phone call instead of 10. Yeah. And uh, and of course Lifeway's done that work for many years as well. Lifeway Correct. Music Service was an example of that. So uh, but last summer, late last summer we began a conversation you actually did with Kelly mm-hmm. Kempke who was president of, of Kempke Music then. And uh, and we acquired Kimke last fall. Yeah. But what to do with these events? Because Kimke last year did seven mm-hmm. music conferences where they read music, and we were like, do we do we keep all seven of those? We have our own that we do right. in Gatlinburg. Do we keep that? You know, how, what do we do? And we've been going through a season here of evaluating: do we do these one and two and three day reading conferences across the country? Uh, where it's multi-publisher and we just read music. And, and you know, it's good that we're talking about this on our podcast because we really, we always want our listeners to respond to us. It's how yes. we know that this is working uh, is when you guys write us or make contact with us. But, boy, do we need to know from our listeners if they want those kinds of conferences. Yeah, uh, We don't want to do them if, if they don't need them. But if they, they need them and want them, we are definitely committed to doing them. So... Uh, we're gonna. I'm actually going to be working on a survey we're going to send out to Kempke customers really soon, or Kempke's former customers, now our customers, uh, asking about what is the rhythm of these kinds of conferences. How long should they be? Mm-hmm. Where should they be? What time of year should they be? We need, a, we need some information from our people that we serve so that we can plan these things and make them the most effective. The publishers that we work with all want to do them. They're yes. willing to do them. But we don't want to do them if no one needs us to do them. So, right. boy, this is where we need some feedback really badly. No doubt. Mike, I was on a conference call yesterday with some members of the Baptist Church Music Conference, and we were talking about the old J&J conferences, the old conference Pine in Music Lake. California. So J&J music is no more. Pine Lake music is no more. Kimkey's music now absorbed and really lifeway music is one of the last places you can go where you can get 
any music you want from any publisher. You can call 1-800-436-3869, and we do that. So we're glad to make that available. You can get it all well, here, but, but we'd love to know, do we want to do the conferences? Yeah, that and we these need, companies we need feedback. Did. We're desperate for it. Do I sound like I'm desperate? Yes. We're desperate for feedback. But here's something I'd want our people to know, too, that are listening about our, our team of customer representatives and music representatives that serve churches for us. Uh, that their job is not just selling Lifeway music. I mean, right. we, we do make music. We believe our music is as fine as you can find anywhere, but we have our own way of doing it, and it's not exactly like how other companies do it. And We have our own songs that we do that other companies may not be doing, and they are doing songs that we're not doing. But our representatives are not on the other end of the phone trying to convince you to buy our anthem instead of the word anthem. I mean, right. that's that's not in our interest. They have one job and one job only. That's why we call them music representatives, because their their job is to serve that church, finding what that church needs for their ministry. That's right. And it doesn't matter who made it. No, it that's doesn't. right. It doesn't. That's right. we, we're trying to do our part in contributing to that. But but our people are here to help you find. They're not there to sell our music. They're no. here there to serve your church. Yeah. And uh, please take advantage. They are experts on everybody's catalogs and everybody's music, and they are equipped to answer questions. And if they don't have the answer at their fingertips, they know right where to get it. So, Mike, yeah. one thing I'd love to hear from folks: if you used to attend those conferences all the time and you don't anymore, you know, we, we ask these yeah. surveys about the unchurched kids, yeah. people that drop out of church. Why aren't you going to church? Why don't you attend those conferences anymore? What was it that that uh, made you stop going? That'd be a very, very interesting question. And for those who still attend them, look for them wherever they are in the country. Those that were at with us in Orlando or with us in Dallas in the past couple of weeks, what is it that makes you keep coming back? All right, so I want to throw this out there. And yep. I guess we're probably coming up on a break, and we Pretty haven't even soon. really interviewed and introduced a topic yet. Yeah, but anyway, we've got I want to throw this out there that I've, I've realized again after Music Florida a few weeks ago and Music Texas this, this week— um, that there is something happening at those conferences that's much more important than just finding the five or six or 10 or 15 anthems you're looking for. Yeah. But what happens in those conversations with people that are sharing the experience of leading music and leading choirs, and when they get around a table in a meal setting or in a casual setting at a conference like that, the conversations, the connections, the relationships mm -hmm. are so critical and so key. And that's what people are telling us. The ones that are still coming. And by the way, we had two great conferences this time. Yes. Uh, the ones that are coming are saying, I, I can get the music. I could do, I could slog through it in my office by myself, Right. but I need the interaction with other people. I need to have the conversations with people and see what's working for other people and get that sense of community that we build at those conferences. So, so yeah, I, the, the value there is, is hard to measure. And, and it's one of the things we love about worship life in Gatlinburg every year right. is the relation. It's like a family reunion with everybody that comes back and experiences that conference together. No doubt. So you can email Email us, worship at lifeway.com, or contact us on social media. Mike, we do have a topic today. We do, we do. And we're going to so go to break. And, uh, but when we come back, what we're going to talk about, it's a new year. The Christmas season's over. And if you work with volunteers a lot as a minister of music, you may notice that you had a bunch of people really energized to help you pull off the Christmas program if you were successful organizing your volunteers. And somehow people start to drift away as January comes yeah, along. So happen. really the topic is just the whole issue of working with volunteers and specifically uh, how much should you ask of your people, your volunteers? And, and we're going to get into that right after the break. 
Hey, this is Tim Henning, a.k.a. The Red Box Guy. You know, I work for Lifeway Worship, but I'm also a part-time music minister at a church here in Nashville. And I tell you, getting my choral subscription sent straight to my door is invaluable. And I just wanted to tell you about my favorite choral club. It's the Red Box, and it's our premier choral club here at Lifeway Worship. And we have three different choices depending on your needs. We have the Red Box, Let's Sing, and the Little Red Box. When you subscribe to the Red Box, you get everything we publish for print choral music sent straight to your door. Full print copies and audio demos of everything in the box so you can listen and see what fits your ministry the best. Each shipment also has something called Inside the Red Box, and it has helpful articles and interviews as well as a full order form for everything in that particular cycle. From Christmas to Easter to non-seasonal moments, we have you covered, and it's featuring all of your favorite arrangers and writers and orchestrators. You pay once a year, and there are no shipping fees. And the best part is each year you renew, you receive a voucher for your next music order with us that's valued at the cost of the club. You can check it out at lifeway.com slash the red box or call 800-436-3869 and get started today. The Red Box, just open it. We've done the rest. All right, Mike, we're back at the Worship Live podcast with Mike Harland, and we were going to talk about working with volunteers. And you know what? I think we ought to do a shout out to somebody right sure. here. Sure. Um, we love it when our listeners make suggestions about things to talk about. Right. What, what's a good question that would be good to talk about? Just fill that out. And today's topic comes from one of our listeners. That's right. That uh, we want to give a little shout out to. It's your little brother. Who little, is a well, he's bigger leader. than me, but younger. Yes, my younger and brother. And more talented. I mean, no, I should, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, more educated more for educated sure. More educated for sure. Probably more talented. More talented. And that's yes. just what he says about himself. But, yes, absolutely. But tell, tell, give us a little bit about your brother. You, <sighs> the Brown brothers and this brother is a worship leader. He is. He is a unique individual. One of the worst world's only full-time professional tuba players, Yes. Uh, although he does more announcing these days for the U.S. Army Band almost than tuba playing. But in his in his other role, he's bivocational. So when he's not announcing for the U.S. Army Band, Pershing Zone in Washington, D.C., or playing the tuba for them, uh, he's leading worship at his church, and he leads uh, the contemporary service at his church. His church has traditional services, and then he's in the main sanctuary for the contemporary service. So we were on the phone this morning. I knew we were recording a podcast today, and we, we had several topics we were kicking around, but I just asked him, what are you dealing with right now? And my brother said, Brian, here's what I'm dealing with. I, I've got volunteers. He has a sign-up sheet. You know, let me know what Sundays you can be there. It's the method he's using. He's got limited instrumentalists. So he walks in every week. He uses band in hand, and yep. he uses the Lifeway Worship tracks. So he can cover any instrument, but he'd rather have live m- musicians. But he walks every week. He's sweating. Am I going to have a drummer and a bass player and a lead guitar and me on keyboards? Yeah. Is it just going to be me on keyboards? He doesn't know so what he his may musician. or may not know Sunday to Sunday what it's going to be like. And so. at his pre- previous church, he had worked long enough where he had built up two or three players at every instrument, and so he knew he always had a backup. This church, he doesn't. He hasn't built. He doesn't that have yet. the bench depth. He does yet. not. So he's really struggling with. You know, he feels these people are volunteers. He's a professional musician in his other life. He gets paid to do that. These people don't. So he's letting them kind of participate as they want to and as they have ability, counting on them to be faithful. And he's really asking himself the question, Mike, should I be requiring more? Do I say, look, if you, you know, know, you've got to be here. All right. So let's be devil's advocate a little bit. That's kind of one of the ways you and I communicate with each other is we take adversarial positions and we we work through things like this. Uh, So 
So one argument might be this. You know, they're just volunteers. These mm. people are professional people. they got full-time jobs and families. And I don't want to ask too much of them. I feel like it's unreasonable if I expect them to be at every rehearsal and all that. And so I'm trying to loosen what I require of my people in order to accommodate the fact that they are just lay people and volunteers. And there's a level of fear there. I think yeah. I think he's afraid, and I, and to speak for my brother, that if he puts too much pressure on that drummer and says you you know that that drummer will bail on him, well I can't commit to that. I'm out of and here, and now he's got nobody. And he's the only thing between him and no drummer. Correct. Correct. So so the question on the table then becomes, do you, what's the better result? How are you going to get the better result? Right. With a bigger list of expectations or with a more accommodating, I'll take whatever you can give me. Right. So well, how did you answer his question? Uh, I didn't. Uh, he ended. The, he was headed to a rehearsal, uh, which is his real day job. And he said, "Hey, I got to run." So he just dropped that on me. But I can tell you how I would answer. And when he listens to this podcast, I'll find we'll finally be able to finish our conversation we were having this morning. Um, I remember listening. I was at a Timothy Barnabas conference years ago. Johnny Hunt. Johnny Hunt was yep. was teaching a, a group of young pastors, uh, and he was telling them that it had been his experience. And, and I found this this was more than ten years ago, and I started to put this into practice when I was leading. He said in his experience, he's found the more you ask of your volunteers, the more you get from them, and willingly so. People want to be involved in something that's significant, that's important, and that matters. And if you care that they miss, and you care that they're not there, um, then that means that what you're doing is significant and important. Yeah, so, so I think the more you ask, the more you get. Well, I, I, I think the more you ask, the more you get. But let, let's just continue to, to pull on that thread just a little bit. Um, I, th- my, my initial response to his, this is David's question, right? Yes. Uh, my initial David response Brown. to David's question uh, is uh, you, you will get you, you will you will actually set the limits of what you will get by what you require. So, uh, who was it that said? It probably was Mark Twain. He gets his, he gets attributed <laughs> everything. Uh, aiming at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Right. Something like that. Right. So, if your expectations are just very nebulous and very nondescript and almost not even existent, like what's whatever y'all want to do and whoever will come, it comes, et cetera, et cetera. That's exactly over time what you will get. You will get only what you expect to get. And and if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. No doubt. And I think what he's what 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 we won't pick on David. What I have done, and many yeah. many people listening have done. What we're doing is, is we're communicating, whether we know it or not. Hey, I understand that worship rehearsal is the least important thing in your life. Yeah, exactly. It's the thing that matters least. So I understand you're only going to participate participate when you feel like it. And and I think that there comes a point at which we don't realize that we're devaluing. We're devaluing what it is that we do as worship leaders. We're not putting enough value uh, on the worship rehearsal ourselves when we tell them, hey, come and go as you please. Yeah, and the other thing I would say, too, is that you're saying it's not worth that much. And and you know what? I think that it, that it actually has the same impact on us as leaders. When we require that little of our people, mm-hmm. we are also requiring that little of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, we're kind of, uh, if we got, can we get honest enough to say, 
and this isn't your little brother, I know. I'm just talking about to all of us that yeah. are out there, that sometimes we put low expectations on our people because we want them to have low expectations of the experience. As a bivocational oh, worship leader, soul. I think he'd be honest enough to say, um, you know, I'm asking these people to give of their time over and above their jobs and their families, which is exactly what I have to do. Exactly. And I, I think he is hesitant to, to put something on other people that, uh, you know, it would be a, a challenge for him so, so uh, to follow Brian, those same expectations. The, we've put this in the context of bivocational, but I think it yeah. could be also a full time person that could be that could fall into this trap of I am dealing with volunteers and I can't ask too much because I'm always reminiscent or mindful that they are volunteers. Yes. Let me give you an example on the other end of the spectrum. I know a minister of music who has a great church and I won't call the church's name or his name, but I became aware of something. He's, he's done this for 20 years. Um, he has a choir loft that will seat 60 and he will allow 60 people in his choir at a time. Every seat is filled. Wow. And he he does his year by seasons. These are all volunteers, by the way. Nobody's right. paid. Right. He does his year by seasons. So we have an eight-week season, an eight-week, you know, all that stuff. And he has a sign-up for the seasons, and he has 60 spots. Yeah. And he actually has it broken down. I, ha- I need this many altos, this many tenors, this many sopranos. And it is limited to that. Yeah. So there's and an air of exclusivity about and then, it. And then the requirements are if you miss um, a rehearsal unexcused. Yeah. Uh, you are, you, you know, you, you miss one of those. If you miss a second one, you, your place is, you're, you're moved out. It's yeah. done, I, I hope it's, I, I, I'm sure, it's done with love and concern. Yes. But, I mean, the expectations are, and these are all yeah. volunteers. Yeah. So I want to ask you a question. How many people does he have in his choir every Sunday? Sixty. Yes. Yeah, and people waiting in line. And and every and by the way, how many people does he have in his rehearsal every week? A full rehearsal. He has like fifty eight, and yeah. the two that are missing are the people that were out of towns and, ex- and gave uh, written excuse and gave excuse. <laughs> and I mean, so yeah, somewhere, and I'm not saying that's what you ought to do. Right. I'm sure. just saying, and now he's been at that church a long, long, long time, and he does that from a position of trust and shepherding yeah. and all that. But somewhere between the two extremes, yeah. there's something that would probably work for Well, everybody. that minister of music is, is communicating that what we're doing is significant. It's important. It requires a big commitment. Yeah. But guess what? His full choir loft is still full of volunteers. It is. They're they, all volunteers. They are volunteering to that level of commitment. Yeah. So what we have to decide is how valuable is this? How important is it? How significant is it? And then offer the opportunity to commit to that. And I think what you'll find is people would rather commit more to something significant. And they'll be more willing to commit. Yep. Even more of their time, if they feel like what they're doing matters and that it has great significance, you'll get. I think you'll get more volunteers and so, more commitment. So here's here's a statement I've said for years, and every time I say it, it means more to me than anybody that hears me say it. <laughs> <I've> <laughs> never, I don't think I've ever done a good job explaining what I mean by it, so I'll try to say it right now and see if I can make it make sense. The only way to have a great choir is to need a great choir. And let me tell you what I mean by that. I think one of the reasons you were talking about it needs to be significant. It yeah. needs to be a commitment. 
But if your use of choir or volunteers, for that matter, let's say band or whatever, whatever you're praising, if your use of these people is marginalized in the way they serve, even even the worship event, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't even matter how well you communicate and what your expectations are beyond that what they're committing to doesn't have enough value to the whole church. So then the extreme event I gave a minute ago, the choir in that church of those 60 people is the centerpiece of how they do ministry in their corporate worship gathering. And it matters greatly if the choir's on point and in place and doing their thing because their role is so significant. So if you want to highly energize a team of volunteers, uh, the word that we've also used several times this morning is the word communicate. You've got to communicate, communicate, communicate Yes. Uh, what your expectations are. And I would go further to say those expectations should be as few as possible, but all significant. Don't come up with 20 things you expect people to right. do. Come up with three, but they're non-negotiable. I mean, yeah. they're they're really That's significant. Yep. And, then, and then do a really, really good job of communicating and following up on all of those, uh, all of those points. And then make what the the organization if it's the band or the praise team or the choir make what they're doing matter so much that every absence is felt and then do the preparation so that and this is the last thing i would say about that part is the experience itself should be a value add to that person's life yes, that's right um this is the question and i'm sure i've said it on our podcast before but this is the question i've always asked myself through the years is what's going to make the guy who's working downtown in an office. He's been there since 7 that morning. He's had meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. And it looks down at his watch. It's 5.30. The rehearsal starts at 6. He's got just enough time to drive through Wendy's and get a junior bacon cheeseburger yeah. with no pickles <laughs> and, uh, and fries and a drink. He's going to eat it in the parking lot of the church and walk into your rehearsal at 6 o'clock. Yeah. Now, what is that experience going to be that's going to make him make that decision every Wednesday night? And then Sunday morning, he's had a hard week. He's had to travel out of town for business. He got in late Saturday night. What's going to be the experience on Sunday morning that he goes, you know, I got to get up. I mean, I want to be there. I need to be there. But I'm telling you, if your people are waking up on Sunday morning and going, well, it won't matter if I'm there or not, Mm -hmm. or nobody will notice, or it doesn't matter really, or or on Wednesday evening or whatever your rehearsal night is, hey, if I'm not there, it won't, nobody will care. Right. If they are thinking that, then you're going to get a very low level of commitment from your volunteers. No doubt. Well, listen, we'd love to hear from you. We know we have many well-experienced listeners. And, I got and we'd one more. Lo- oh, yeah, well, before we, before one we more send thing. to the email. And here, let me tell you, oh, my gosh, David and everybody out there that's working with volunteers, show your appreciation. Yeah, it's over huge. It's and huge. Over. Connect the dots with them. What you are aware of that's happening spiritually in the worship ministry that your volunteers are serving in, make sure they know those stories. Make sure they see the impact. And over and over and over and over, say, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you. I love you. I appreciate you. Yeah, and encourage and your show it. Encourage your congregation to do the same. Affirm, I, I, yeah. affirm your people. I think it's, it's absolutely critical. Let them know that, that they matter and that they're important. 
Well, as I was saying, we would love to hear from you, the things that you've learned over the years in working with volunteers, what tips you might have. So email us, worshipatlifeway.com, so we can share that. Or you can go to worshiplife.com and share with each other or on social media, whether it be uh, Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, whichever way you'd like to connect. You can connect with Worship Life through any of those channels. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, for Mike Harlan, this is Brian Brown saying thanks for joining us on the Worship Life podcast with Mike Harlan. We'll be back together to talk about worship and music in ministry again very soon. 